Hey guys, welcome back to Land Investing Online, where we teach students how to profitably buy and sell vacant land. This is the simplest, least competitive, and most profitable sector of real estate. For more information, visit landinvestingonline.com. Click start here. You'll learn a ton about land investing and what it is, along with network with a ton of successful land investors in our Discord. Come learn from the best. I'm Daniel Apke, joined today by Ron Apke, my brother and business partner. Welcome to the show, Ron. Hey, Dan. Good to be here. Before we go over our topic, which is hiring your first employee, how to hire your first employee, and what that can look like, let's go into a question from one of our members. So this member got a failed perk test. They said, I got a failed perk test from a buyer. What do I do after this failed perk test? So let's go into, um, Ron, can you explain what a perk test is and then some options after, after that perk test failed? Yeah, so what a perk test is, it's essentially testing the soil on your land for suitable areas for septic. Um, failed perk tests definitely aren't ideal. So your choices from this situation, you want to maybe talk to the people who did the perk test. Are there alternate uh, septic systems um, that could be built or used on this land? Um, are there any other options for that you want to talk to the buyer and see if they're still interested because there's a reason they asked for a perk test um if it's not suitable for a traditional septic system they're probably going to want the price down um that they're buying it for so they can pay for some other more advanced system for that kind of soil uh it's not a good situation then to be honest it's not a fun situation because it's going to cost you money because you're not going to be able to sell the land for as much 99% of the time, I'd say, and you might lose a buyer. Um, we, we, we've had this happen. It's unfortunate, but the biggest thing is buying the land cheap enough where if something does go bad, you're not losing money. You should, you should still be able to make a little bit of money. Um, we, we actually just had one, Dan, that failed. I think we bought the property for 15,000. We had it posted for like 42, maybe, which would have been great. Um, a perk test failed from our first buyer. It took we did we we took this buyer's de, uh, offer because we were struggling to get a different buyer without a perk contingency. Um, the perk test failed two three weeks later or whatever, and they they backed out completely. And I just told the realtor like we bought it for listen we bought it for fifteen thousand. What price do we have to sell it at? This is going to be recreational land, five acres of recreational land. It's not really going to be for a house anymore. And he got under contract for, I think, 27.5 a couple of weeks later. Obviously, it's not ideal losing $15,000, um, but it was a raw. I, I knew when we bought the property and we, we got the buyer or the seller at a low enough price where I would feel fine, even if it did fail a perk test like that. Yep, exactly. And that's how it usually goes. Um, that's why you you want less contingencies on your uh, when you're selling the property, the less contingencies are better because the more contingencies, the more likely something is to go wrong. In that specific situation that Ron's talking about, it was an extremely, um, what do you want to say, strict health department. So they'd go out there. They're, I talked to the realtor yesterday about this county, and he said they're really strict. Plus, it's a really rocky, sloped, and wet. Everything's in a flood zone. Um, so it's just not ideal for septics, a lot of it, especially with a strict health department. Um and honestly, we probably could have got more than what we sold it for, but we still bought for 15, sold for 27.5. But this was one of the slower counties that we've ever been in, in terms of selling things. It probably was the slowest county. We had a failed perk test in a neighboring county to the same one in a really hot county. Um, 
and the, they gave alternate methods of putting a septic system on there and it failed a perk test. And they came back to us and asked for like, they asked for like 15,000 off or something at first, something ridiculous. And I said, no way. Um, cause a normal septic would cost, I don't know. I got the average from that health department, $10,000. And I said, this is going to cost 16. So give them $6,000 off. And I explained that in writing, he forwarded it off to the buyer. They said, yes. And we lost $6,000 from it, but whatever we bought for like 12,000 and sold for 40 or something in that County. So mm -hmm. it worked out. Um, that's all one I thing, Dan. Yeah. One thing, Dan, make sure you got don't don't have a failed perk test and then go try to sell it to the next buyer without getting a perk test or disclosing that this you need to disclose this thing. Obviously, I'm not a realtor or any of that or a lawyer, but do not you don't want to do that. Like just for a karma thing, like do not tell the next buyer or do not fail to disclose that to the next buyer. Um, let them know. Take take your uh, medicine for what it is and uh, go from there. Yeah, um, definitely disclose it. And then another thing that I want to add on top of that, that it made me think of, we skipped something in our due diligence. There was a, a failed perk test on this property that we bought in 1999 that I did not dig up during due diligence or employee, whoever it was. We don't know to look for things like that always. If we would have done proper due diligence, we would have known this is a failed perk test in 1999. Would it have changed our decision buying? We would have gone back to the seller and been like, listen, there's a failed perk test. I know it was 20 years ago, but instead of buying for 15,000 or whatever we bought for, maybe we could get it for eight or nine because of that reason. You can't build this recreational land. Um, so that's all I want to say. That was a long question, but I think there's a lot of good information. Let's get into the show. Hiring your first employee, how to hire your first employee, what to hire, and some things that we've dealt with. Um, so the, the first question I'd ask, so if you're hiring your first employee, one, I assume you're busy enough, right? You're getting deals. Don't hire before you have deals. Learn the processes yourself. Go through maybe 10 deals before hiring. Doesn't need to be 10. I mean, if you have five deals, six deals, whatever it is, um, we feel really confident your deal flow is going, you're getting it down, you're making great money. Once you have those processes down, the next question I would ask, what are you struggling with the most, right? What do you dislike and what are you struggling with the most? Maybe uh, my brother, so my brother does this, my other brother, he's a land investor as well. He hates sales calls. They drain him of energy. He does not like being on the phone at all. He said he was very nervous. He's getting better at it. He just does not like it. That's his weakness. So if I'm him, maybe I'm looking to hire a salesperson, right? Um, it does not need to be a full-time salesperson. Don't listen to anything you've ever heard in the past about you need to hire a full-time salesperson and pay them X, get creative with it. Maybe get a college student, pay them, you know, 15 bucks an hour plus commission. Get creative with it. You're a new small business. You can do whatever you want to do. Um, so don't listen to all the how-tos and all that stuff. You can do whatever you want. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, like I said, maybe it's sales. Maybe you hate doing title. Maybe you're not a data person. You want price. Um, so I would hire what, what your weakness is and what you dislike. If you have a something you dislike and it's your weakness. So if you're bad at sales and you don't like sales, um, maybe you get a salesperson. If you can't look at Excel anymore and you're really bad at numbers, maybe you get a part-time person to help you price or partner with someone. Um, so that's, that's what I, do you have anything to add to that, Ron, in terms of? No, I, I think that's really good. Like doing it based on your weakness, also do it based on what's taking up your time. And is that time valuable that you're using it on? If you're just, if you're doing a lot of data entry and stuff like that, and it's taking 10 hours a week, 
like, is that really worth 10 hours a week? Like you can go get a virtual assistant. Like that's what I want. Like, I think everyone should get a virtual assistant um, that they, that's much cheaper than an uh, American full-time person before they go and hire a full-time person and see how many tasks they can take off your plate. And it does not cost a ton of money to you. Um, th those monotonous tasks that just are daily tasks that take up an hour or two a day, really try to get those off your plate. And then you can spend your time on more valuable things. You're going to have to bite the bullet a little bit, like Daniel said, for the first 10 deals. If, if you don't like something and you're not partnered with someone, you're probably going to have to do that part of it. Um, if it's sales or, or the pricing, like those are the most two, the two most important things in my mind in this business, uh, due diligence and transaction coordinator can definitely be hired out early as well. But, uh, I really like the idea of a VA. Ours is amazing. I don't know if you're going to get as lucky as us. Um, but, uh, I love the idea of getting someone to just take some things off your plate that aren't high value things. Yeah. Getting rid of all the low value activities first, I would say. That's and that's so cheap too. I mean, go to these different hiring sites, onlinejobs.ph or uh, the Filipino uh, Craigslist. You can get them on. Get a three, four dollar employee. Get all those low value tasks off your plate. And by low value, scrubbing data, responding to emails, maybe a little bit. They can answer calls, but you don't want them to. To be honest, we'll go into that later. Um, they can really do whatever you want and you can pay more and get a better quality uh, person as well. But yeah, I, I like that hiring a, a VA first just to get those low value tasks off your plate. We specifically, what, what did we do for our first employee? We hired a full time transaction coordinator. The main thing in our head was to uh, handle title and due diligence. Keep in mind, Ron and I were two people, both full time. So we were doing over probably a million dollars of profit or so before we actually hired, maybe seven, eight hundred thousand dollars of profit um, a year before we hired our first transaction coordinator. And then we thought title and due diligence, we need someone for. Um, so that that was what we did first. Going back, maybe I would have hired a, or a virtual assistant before this, like early, early on. We didn't do that. We did everything ourselves. Um, I had other businesses and things going on. I probably would have if I didn't just because I, I was dealing with a lot at that time. But like Ron said, I'd probably hire a virtual assistant early and then a transaction coordinator. Going back, it still worked out for us. We still have a virtual assistant that does a lot for us, whatever. <clears throat> I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't change it um, going back. But let's talk about some other positions that you can hire out. Then. So we talked about transaction coordinator early on. They can handle all title and due diligence and other things like listing properties, um, handling inbound calls for for sale properties and such things. We have our transaction coordinator doing so much. Um, we call him a transaction coordinator. That's her main job. But as we're scaling this, her as we're growing, her responsibilities get more narrow and more narrow because we're hiring in other places now. Right. So we're taking more off her plate because now there's so much more due diligence to do instead of five properties a week, there's 15 properties a week or something. And instead of five properties in title, there's 50 properties in, in title. So everything's just scaling up. Hers are getting more and more narrow. And then we're adding different people to different seats. But let's talk about some of those different seats. What are some other positions to hire on? Yeah, so we have, uh, and I still do the pricing because I, I enjoy doing it. It's not something that like I think as a... Uh... I just, I enjoy doing the pricing. So we're still doing that. Um, so you, 
like Daniel said, like getting someone who can do a lot of stuff at first is important. So we have one person who is doing sales calls, which is dealing with sellers. And then he is also dealing with selling our properties, whether it's realtor relationships and that stuff. Those could be two different jobs, um, acquiring and selling without a doubt. Like those can be two different jobs. They're not in our company at this time because he, he can do both. He's really good. Um, I mean, other than that, Dan, there aren't a ton like transaction coordinator. You obviously could hire like there's part time CFOs out there that can help with your finance. I think that's overlooked a lot. Um, obviously, you have contracted bookkeepers and stuff like that. That's not going to be in house. But other than that, like those are the main things I see. It's sales, which I, I view as acquiring and buying or acquiring and selling. Transaction coordinator, which is due diligence and title work. Um, and then really pricing, honestly, Tim. Okay. So we have transaction coordinator, um, title and due diligence and pricing. And then like Ron said, um, CFO part-time, I mean, guys, if you guys are doing $5 million of profit a year, get your books in order, hire a part-time CFO or something, or it doesn't, I don't know, part-time CFO, just hire someone to handle finances for you and help you plan and do all that. That's a lot of money. Um, but most of the people listening are not there yet. So don't worry about that stuff. Hire a cheap virtual assistant first, then go get a transaction coordinator and scale up as you need. Um, but you can, like I said earlier, you can also hire a salesperson early on if you hate sales, things like that. Get creative with it. Um, so just just keep in mind your first employee, what can they do for you? you can, they can really do anything you want them to do. I wouldn't spread them too thin though. So some of my advice would be focus on a few things first. So if you hire a transaction coordinator, have her have them do um, due diligence and title first. Have them really, really get title down, then maybe add due diligence, have them really, really get that down. They do it a bunch, they feel comfortable, and then keep adding things to their plate. Now they're answering some sales calls um, for the for sale properties. Uh, maybe they're doing some um, sales leads for acquisitions. Who, like if you're a small company, you can get creative. Just don't throw too much on their plate early on is my one advice. Just get them to perfect one area, then expand it from there. Yeah. Whether one thing, if you guys are in this business right now, no matter where you are, um, cause virtual assistants are so cheap and that's why I'm telling you to do this, like sit for a week, write down what you do and how much time it takes. Um, and then after that week, evaluate what, what you're actually spending your time on. You'll realize when you do this, and I still do it. I'll do it once every two weeks or something because I don't want to waste time in my days. Um, and I, I don't want to do things that I think someone else can be doing just as effective. Um, but review those. Do it for a week. Do it for two weeks. And look at what you're spending your time on. If, if a lot of those tasks can be outsourced, that's probably the best thing to do. And then find out what you are the best at, what the most value is, whether it's pr usually it's going to be pricing or sales, and really beat that uh, down and just take that to the max. Um, but uh, that's about all I got, Dan. I think it was really good. Hopefully helpful. Yeah. And if you guys have any comments or questions on this, message us in Discord. I love to talk about hiring. We, we went through a book, Traction. We have our whole employee structure uh, planned out and all of our roles and seats planned out and mapped for the next 10 years. So we have a lot of experience of, um, you know, building a sustainable business and kind of mapping it out to where it's going to be and where we're growing it to. So if you have any questions at all, we started small, we had no employees and we were in the same seats as, as a lot of you guys. Um, 
So if you guys aren't even haven't done your first deal, that's okay. You can come back and listen to this later, but hop in the discord, send us a message. I love to talk about this stuff, anything it is. Um, other than that, guys, thanks for joining. Don't forget to visit landinvestingonline.com. Join our free discord. Ron and I are involved. We have a ton of successful investors in there. Come learn from the best. Thanks for joining. Thanks guys.